Hey, in front of you, there's a Bible, so grab it or open up the, the Three Crosses app or your own Bible app. We're going to be in Matthew 24 this morning, which is a passage about the end of the world. Wish I'm excited to preach this week. <laughs> world is coming to an end, according to Jesus, in Matthew 24. This morning, we're going to explore verses 1 through 29, and I want to read before we dive in the first 14 verses of Matthew 24. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to draw attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine and earthquake in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Let's pray as we open God's word this morning. Father, after a week like this, it's nice to know that you are up to something. We sing these songs this morning and, and are reminded that you're on the throne, that we have no other king but Jesus, Lord of all. We come into this place, uh, well, some of us with heavy hearts, with fear about the future, wondering where our nation will go, wondering what life will look like for us and our children in this place, and yet we sing praises to you, and we catch a glimpse that there's something more above this earthly kingdom that we want more of. Well, we know it's not an accident that our text today landed on the end times and we pray that you would show us why. Many of us have already been thinking about the end times this week. And, and so we come to you and we ask, what, what, what does a text like this have to do in a week like this? What, what do you want us to think about as believers in a nation that is where our nation is at today? We pray that you would give us wisdom. 
As this passage even says, near the end times, as love grows cold and hard-heartedness reigns, we pray that we would stand firm until the end by being those whose love never cools, but who always loves and always bears with those in need and always serves those around us. Let the love of Christ be displayed through us, especially in these times when it seems like life feels cold and hate-filled so often. Guide us this morning, even through this text. Help us to see what you would be saying to us if we were asking you these questions the disciples asked you. And show us how you want us to live. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that was an interesting election. <laughs> now, I, this is just my opinion, but I never saw that coming. I, I know neither of the polls, but I never saw that coming. And yet here we are. I saw some people on Facebook said, the sun still rose on Wednesday. Okay, that's a start. That's good. It's not the end of the world. And yet then Matthew 24 shows up and says, well, maybe it is the end of the world. I feel like this election was different than other ones. Did you feel that? I mean, back in the day, I mean, I'm not that old. I probably lived through nine elections. And usually an election passes and you voted for someone and you didn't vote for the other and then you're kind of bummed or you're kind of excited. This one just seems different. I didn't hear a lot of people in the weeks before the election really stoked on either candidate. Like I heard the phrase lesser of two evils in the last like three weeks, more than I've heard in my entire life. There's something different about this election. And afterwards, I've never seen this kind of, of lament, of grieving, of fear, of wondering what does this mean, of seeing the reaction on both sides. And it doesn't really feel like anyone won. It feels like everyone lost. And we started feeling like that, like in the primaries. And most folks that I talk to, and you might be someone who's like stoked on one of the candidates, and you could be that way, but most of the folks that I talked to just started to wonder what, what is happening that these candidates were the best and the brightest that we can discern as a nation, like what's happening to our representative republic? What does this mean? And we don't want to think about the end times, right? Because that seems silly. But then, did you see Time Magazine's cover last week? <laughs> right, this is the first time that the churches weren't the ones saying, the end is here, right? It was the media. Right, and, and sure, I'm sure what they were saying was like, hey, we've just got a few days left. The end of the election is near, right? And, Maybe they say, maybe they were making a commentary on the candidates kind of sounding like doom and gloom prophets throughout. Or maybe they were saying what all of us were thinking, like, is the giant meteor going to come, right? Is, is the end at hand? Like, what does it mean that Donald Trump is going to be the president of the United States? Like, that just seems like it's a movie or something. Do you get, we could take that down. <laughs> and we try to brush that away like uh, end time stuff that's for the crazy people right and then this week I'm like all right God like what what do you want us to, to talk about this Sunday at church we're at Matthew 24 the end times great the end times you know, I was telling my wife yesterday last week I was in Africa and 
God was doing amazing things, and all I could think about was how we got to get the gospel to the ends of the earth, and there's so many people who need to hear about Jesus, missions, missions, the world, transformation, the gospel, and then I get back, and it's like, who are you going to vote for tomorrow? I'm like, oh, no, this is very different. And it's so easy, those things, those amazing things God is doing around the world sometimes gets paled in comparison because what's happening right in front of us is our cities that are burning, literally. Rioters and protesters and mourning and hatred and anger. And then Jesus says, the end is near. And Time Magazine says, the end is near. Most of the time we feel like Jesus doesn't want us to be thinking about the end times. That's kind of morbid. He says no one can predict when it's going to happen, right? And so we think, well, then why talk about it? And yet in Matthew 24, one of the first things that I noticed is that Jesus is the one who's kind of whispering into the disciples' ear, the end is coming. He's the one who's getting them thinking about it. Right? They're just walking down the street in Jerusalem, and Matthew says the disciples point out the buildings of the temple. Oh, look at the temple. It's beautiful, isn't it? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, that thing's going to burn. Not one stone is going to stand on another. The whole thing is going to be torn down. And then Jesus kind of walks away, and the disciples were like, what does that mean? (laughs) And apparently they started thinking about it. Like, Jesus, did did he just say that the end is coming, right? And, And Jesus is just, he goes up on the Mount of Olives, he's hanging out, and the disciples have been getting consumed with this thought of destruction to their holy city. And so they go up to Jesus and And they said, Jesus, you mentioned that the temple was going to get destroyed. Can we ask you some questions about it? And you would expect that Jesus would say, oh, guys, I'm sorry. I didn't. Sometimes I forget that I'm God. You're not. I accidentally revealed the end was coming. Forget I said anything, right? But Jesus leans into it. And he starts talking about some scary stuff that's going to go down. The signs of the times. If you could ask God one question about the end times, what would it be? God, am I going to get married first? (laughs) Am I going to have my kids first? God, I'm a year away from retirement. Please, just let me be retired for a little bit before the end comes, right? I've been working my whole life. The disciples, as they're they're thinking about the end of the world, they ask Jesus two questions, and I think they're great questions. When's this going to happen? And how can we know when it's about to happen? When is this going to happen? And how can we know when it's about to happen? Right, when you think about it, those are really good questions. Jesus, tell me the date that that the end is going to come, and then tell me, like, how I can know it's about to come so I can get out of town, right? I want to know the signs because if there's like some sign that I can see in the heavens that it's about to come, we're moving to Canada, right? I'm not like, I'm not saying we should move to Canada. Uh, I'm just saying that if we knew that the end was coming, we might want to move to Canada first, right? And that's where the disciples are at. Like, (laughs) Donald Trump's getting the nuclear codes in a few months. Is it the end of the world? And where can I avoid the fallout, right? Those are the questions. 
when's it happening and how can I know when it's about to happen? And Jesus, he doesn't make things any easier for them. Like he doesn't say, oh, don't worry about that. Oh, yeah, it's just going to happen quickly, you know, like getting hit by a train. You're not even going to worry about it. Oh, don't worry about it. You're just going to see a missile in the sky and you're going to be in heaven. Don't worry about it. Jesus says things are about to get real scary. He says, yeah, there's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. There's going to be famines. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be wickedness. It's not going to be good. Oh, and then you're going to be handed over to be persecuted. Everyone's going to hate you. A lot of y'all are going to die. (laughs) This is how you know it's coming, he says. A lot of people are going to fall away from the faith. Love is going to grow cold. Hatred is going to reign on this earth. Some of you are going to make it to the end. (laughs) The gospel is going to get to all nations. Then the end will come. (laughs) That's what life looks like as you look down on the horizon, Jesus says, in response to how are we going to know when the end is coming? I remember when I was in seminary, I had a professor tell me that, that the Lord's prayer, half of the Lord's prayer is asking Jesus to come back and set up his kingdom. And so he said, so every day when you pray, you should pray that today would be the day that Jesus comes back. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do that. That's cool. And so I go out that next morning. I'm like, Jesus, I pray that today is the, I don't want you to come back today though, because like, I'm going to the movies with my wife tonight. (laughs) I like the idea of the end coming, just not yet. And you can imagine the disciples, right? It's not like Jesus says, hey, the end is going to be like pulling off a Band-Aid, right? Jesus says the end is going to be like someone plucking every hair out of your body really slowly, and it's going to get worse. It's going to be bad. And then he says that these are just the beginning of the birth pains. Birth pains aren't fun. How many of you have had a baby? Are birth pains fun? Jesus says, the world's going to get real bad. (laughs) But that's not the end of the world. It's just the beginning of the birth pains. In Genesis 6, God does destroy the world with Noah and the ark. Remember that story? And the flood. And everyone except for eight people die in a worldwide flood. And they come out of the ark. They're looking around. And there's, I mean, can you imagine what the world would have looked like if millions of people died? And God says, hey, guys, I want to give you a sign. Uh, it's a rainbow. I'm going to put it in the heavens And every time you see it, I want you to be reminded that I'm not going to destroy you again by water, right? I'm not going to flood the earth again, which I think is a really helpful sign. So can you imagine what it would be like to be Noah and you come out of the ark and you're like, oh, good, I'm so glad that's over. And then it starts raining again. And everyone's like, oh, no, it's happening again, right? God's like, no, 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 hold on. Look at the sky. There's a rainbow. It's just a reminder. I'm not flooding you. It's just rain this time. It's just rain. It's going to stop. So God said, for the rest of time, every time you see the sign of a rainbow, it's going to remind you that I'm not going to judge the earth in water again. And Jesus does the opposite thing here. Jesus says, I I want to give you a sign. 
I want to give you a sign that shows you that I am going to judge the earth. And then the sign is sometimes it's earthquakes. Sometimes it's famine. Sometimes it's hunger and starvation. Sometimes it's war. Sometimes it's rumors of wars. Sometimes it's kingdoms rising up against kingdoms. Sometimes it's persecution and hatred and violence. Sometimes it's people falling away from the faith. Sometimes it's whole societies going cold in their hearts and being driven by hatred. All of those things, when you see them, that doesn't mean the end is coming. It's a sign that I've given you to remind you that the end is coming someday. It's kind of a bummer sign. Can't we just get a rainbow? And Jesus says, this isn't the end. It's just a sign that the end is coming. Why would Jesus want us to be thinking about the end times? Why would he want us to have this sign that reminds us that someday the earth is going to end? Maybe he wants to wake us up. You know, if these are really just the beginning of the birth pains, right? And I'm not saying that, like, Donald Trump is the beginning of the birth pains. The beginning of the birth pains was in, like, 30 A.D., 70 A.D., right, when these things started to happen. So for 2,000 years, our earth has been in labor towards the end times. And he says, every time you see something terrible in this world, consider it a contraction. (laughs) Say the ladies, they get that. Some of you men are like, I wish I could understand what it meant to be pregnant. No, you don't. You do not. And it's funny, when you're 40 weeks pregnant, and you already feel like you're about to die, or so I've been told, and, and you're like, you know what, today... I'm going to go out to lunch, I'm going to run some errands, I'm going to get the house ready, whatever, and then all of a sudden, ah, right? <laughs> and you stop and you're like, oh. <laughs> or so I have experienced from someone else in my household. <laughs> you don't come out of that contraction and think, all right, let's go to the mall, Right? <laughs> Your husband comes up and says, are you okay? Get out of here. (laughs) In a really loving Christian way. (laughs) And your husband's like, it's just the beginning of the birth pains. Come on, let's go to the Warriors game, right? No. Because when that contraction hits, you are instantly reminded, you're not going anywhere today. You're not going to the mall today. (laughs) You're not going to lunch today. You don't want your water to break in front of all your friends at Cafe Four today. You're going to sit on that couch. You're going to get up and try to clean the house because that's what women do because they just kind of keep working and working and working. But you're going to die if you keep going. So you stop and think, I should probably start thinking about going to the hospital. It's crazy how for 39 weeks you can just be thinking about one thing, thinking about one thing, thinking about having a baby, and then boom, it's like, ah, the world stops. And your agenda changes. And you start making phone calls. And you say, today is not going to be like yesterday. I wonder if that's what Jesus means when he says that when we see signs of the end times, whatever they might be, that it's the beginning of the birth pains. That when you see something like that, whether for you it's the election in America, 
or you jumped on the news this morning, you saw about earthquakes and tsunamis on the South Island, or you hear about wars, you see suicide bombers, right? And you're reminded in this world, something is broken, this place is falling apart, right? It's like the earthquake starting to hit and the rocks are coming from above you and you're thinking, should I ignore this? <laughs> should I go to the mall? Or maybe something's about to go down and I should change the way that I'm living. I think Jesus gives us these signs for the last two millennia that this world is broken, that it's falling apart, that someday it's going to topple in on side of us because he wants to wake us up. He wants to wake us up to the fact that we're not going to be on this planet forever. That someday it's going to hit and maybe it's the giant meteor, who knows, right? Maybe it's Jesus coming back and he just fixes it all, right? And then all of a sudden, like we're in heaven, maybe. Maybe it's going to be the nuclear bomb that destroys us all. Who knows? But when we see the signs, Jesus says, it should wake us up. Wake us up to the fact that this building that we live in is going to tumble down and fall. We need to get out. Not move to Canada. Get out. Now, for the disciples that Jesus was talking to, this was really real. He was talking about their city. He says, these things are going to happen in your generation, right? These things that we're talking about, this temple being destroyed, the stones falling down, the, the beginning of these birth pains, it's going to happen to y'all, he says, to the disciples. This was real. And so they're not just thinking, oh, that's nice. When I see my city burned down by fire, I should think about the end times. They got to do something. Jesus tells them in, in this passage here that when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. He said, you're going to see some of this. You're going to see Rome come into your city. You're going to see these pagans march into your holy place, into your temple. You're going to see them lighted on fire. You're going to see him push the stones down. You're going to see them murdering your countrymen. This is going to be real for you. And when you see that, run. Get out of the city. This is real stuff that's happening. It's not just metaphor. The building is literally going to be crumbling down away from you, and it's going to be devastating. So pray that it doesn't happen in winter where you will die of exposure in the mountains. Pray that your wife doesn't have a nursing baby when it happens because if you're starving to death, your baby will die first. This is going to be real. Get out of the city when you see this because these birth pains are going to kill people. It's not just a reminder that an earthquake is coming. It's buildings are going to be destroyed. And so all of this whole signs of the times thing is not to lessen the blow of the tragedies that are happening around the world by saying, oh, those are just reminders, right? For the people who are being killed in genocide, they're not reminders. For people who are suffering of starvation and dying, it's not reminders. For the people who died by the suicide bombers this week, it's not just a reminder. They're dead now. And yet it's a reminder for those of us who survived the blast that someday the whole building's going down. Well, a lot of things that Jesus talked to these people about happened in their day, but there's one verse in this chapter that reminds us that the end is yet to come. And Jesus says, when I come back, it's going to be unmistakable. You're not going to argue about it. 
No one's going to be like, oh, I think Jesus came back. You're going to know. And yet he says here to them in Matthew 24, as he's describing all the terrible things that are going to remind them the end is coming, he says one thing that has not happened yet in the history of the world. This is Matthew 24, verse 14. So messiahs are coming, wars, nations rising against nations, famines, earthquakes, persecution, martyrdom, hatred, false prophets, wickedness. And then he says this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. You know, for those of us here in America, we can be like, oh, good. <laughs> Jesus isn't going to end the world anytime soon because there's still plenty of people who haven't heard the gospel around the globe. This isn't supposed to reassure us. It's supposed to mobilize us. Right? If it's true that someday the whole world is going to come crashing down around us like a building, if it's true that the earthquake has started and we're reminded that the foundation has been shook and someday it's going to tumble down, those of us who know Christ, if we know that that's going to happen, we can either run and flee to the mountains and say, at least we're safe. Or we could read this passage and realize that Jesus is saying, I'm holding up this building for now because there's still people inside that you need to rescue. There's still people in rooms that have never heard that there's an earthquake happening. There are still people in nations who've never heard the name of Jesus. And if this whole temple we live in is destroyed today, the entire community, the entire nation, the entire people group will perish eternally without ever having understood and heard and embraced the gospel. And so when we see the signs that someday the world's going to come to an end, Jesus says, know that the only reason this building hasn't fallen down yet is because there's still people inside who need to be rescued. I mean, last week it was amazing to go to Sierra Leone and see so many people understanding and coming to the truth of the gospel for the first time. About a decade ago, Sierra Leone was 90% Muslim, 5% African traditional religion, 5% atheist, hardly any Christians. Now it's 40% Christian because God is working, and we'll, you can, I'll tell you about it later. God is working in these miraculous ways to, to transform entire cities and villages. We've visited villages that had never heard about Jesus for the history of the civilization of the village. And then last year, a guy walks in and says, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Now they're all Christians, right? It's, it's happening. People are getting saved and transformed before our very eyes in Sierra Leone. And it's so exciting. And then we went to Senegal. Senegal was very different. I talked to a guy named Tama in Senegal who said, I, I'm the only Christian in my entire village. So I'm so glad you guys came and prayed with me. I, I'm the only one. It's hard. It's lonely. No one knows Jesus but me. We talked to these, these three guys who were fired up. They just received the gospel through crazy supernatural means and, and they wanted to follow Jesus. They said, we need to take this message to our people group because there's 500,000 of us and we're the only Christians. We need to get the gospel to our nation before the end comes. I met a guy who was a pastor. God saved him 20 years ago and he was the only guy who was a Christian among five million people, among the Wolof people in Senegal. 
So he started preaching the gospel. He started a radio show and started preaching it over the airwaves. In over 20 years, 260 people have come to Christ. Now there's 260 Christians out of 5 million Wolof people in Senegal. And this guy has a church of 40, and it's the only Wolof church in the world. And so every year he makes a pilgrimage around the country and visits with every known believer in Jesus Christ from all of his people group, all 260, and prays that someday the gospel will get to his people. And a guy like that sees the signs of the end times, and he thinks, I've got to get the gospel out before this building crashes down and kills my countrymen. And what do we think when we see it? Now, sometimes we forget that we are not citizens of this place, America. And Peter tells us that we are temporary foreign aliens on a missions visa. We're here for a while. God has appointed the time and the place where we would live so that we might be a light to this place and bring the gospel of the glory of God to the people around us. Sometimes we forget that there are whole nations and cities and villages and languages around the world that have never heard the gospel. And so if this building came crashing down today and Jesus came back, an entire civilization would be wiped away with no hope of heaven for eternity. And Jesus says, I'm not going to let the building crash until those people hear. And so we can either say, oh good, fire insurance. Or we can say, someone's got to go into that building and get those people out before it burns. In a sense, Christians are the firemen of the world. World Trade Center is hit, it's crashing down, everyone's storming out, and the first responders are going in. We need to be those people that when we see that this world is crumbling around us, we're going in. We need to be the people going into Syria as the people are coming out of Syria. We need to be the people going into the nations of persecution when everyone's fleeing the nations of persecution, realizing something's going down in that country and we need to get there because if these people die, it's over. But sometimes we forget and we think, well, this is just my home and I'm sad because I want it to be more comfortable. And this morning we put in your bulletin like four or five different things that, that are, could be tools for you that you might be able to use to help bring the gospel to more people before the end does come. I mean, you can look at it right now if you want to. Operation Christmas Child. And some of you have already done that. You filled those shoe boxes. We put a story of the gospel in those shoe boxes. We send them to communities where people are far from Christ, and these kids open them. They read the story of the gospel, and they're transformed forever. That's something you might take part in to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. We need 30 more volunteers to help us pack and organize and do all these shoeboxes. Head out to the table, find out about that after the service. Our Christmas outreach and Cafe Four's fourth birthday party this week, those aren't just parties we throw ourselves, right? We create tools here at Three Crosses that you might use to introduce lost people to the ministry of the gospel. Bring them to the Christmas presentation and say, I want you to see what we believe about Jesus. Bring them. It's an amazing tool to bring folks along who would never go to church to come and see the gospel before their eyes. Or bring them up to the coffee shop. If they're weird about going to a church Christmas production, say, hey, we're just selling lattes, right? Come on up. It's a party. No one's going to twist your arm or make you pray a prayer or something. Just come with me. Start building relationships with people and inviting them along. Use these tools. Now, this Saturday, we've got our village conference. That's a conference for anyone who's interested in adoption or foster care or advocacy. 
Whether you feel compelled to bring a child into your home or you just feel compelled to come alongside the fatherless in our community, we'll have seminars and equipping to help you figure out how you can play your part well in caring for those in our community. Even in a few minutes, we're going to get an update from one of our missions partners, Faith Comes by Hearing. And Faith Comes by Hearing it is an amazing ministry because of all these people groups that don't know Christ, a ton of them, they've never heard the gospel, have never heard the Bible, and they can't read. So you can't just like airdrop Bibles into their communities and say, read this, trust me, it's amazing. And so Faith Comes by Hearing has people translate the Bible into the language of people who've never heard the Bible before and drops them these, this is like dropping from the sky, hands people these, almost like these MP3 players where they can listen to the message of Scripture and find Jesus that way. It's a really cool ministry. When we were in Sierra Leone last week, we met a ton of people who got saved just by reading the Bible. So Faith Comes by Hearing comes alongside that and says, here, support us, and we'll put these audio proclaimers together. We'll hand them out to people who can hear the scriptures and be transformed. All of us have a part to play in seeing the gospel go to the nations. The question is, what has God called you to do? And if this election is a wake-up call for you, and if the news is often a wake-up call for you, you're wondering, man, what, what does it all mean? It means the world is ending someday. And we've got a job to do before it does. And so maybe you're called to live here as a missionary for Jesus Christ. Maybe you're called to go overseas for short term or long term as a missionary for Jesus Christ. Maybe God has called you to support a missions agency or support works going on in our community or around the world. Whatever he's called you to do, do it. And if the one reason that this election happened this way is to wake up the church to be on mission for Jesus, let's take it and go with it. Let's pray that God does amazing things through those of us who are surrendered to him as the love in our country starts to go cold. Let us be those who bring the warmth of the love of Jesus to our country and to the nations as well.